0: Why does Dave pick this movie? And why does he pick the director's cut? And if you answer incorrectly, men in dark suits will show up at your house and take you away somewhere for your own safety, David. For your own safety.
1: (laughs) Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. I guess we should probably talk. Say what we are talking about or what we watched. Uh, Go ahead. The, the it's the uh, new Lars von Trier movie, The House That Jack Built, which had had you heard about that? I'm, I imagine so. You've heard about this movie before I suggested it, right?
0: Yeah, I know about this movie, but I guess you should mention Lars's greatest hits. Uh, um, a movie called Antichrist, uh, Melancholia. Nymphomaniac. And, oh yeah, um, and then his other movie's called Nymphomaniac. So right off right off the bat, based on those titles, you can kind of uh I don't fill, so, you can fill in the gap about what kind of filmmaker he is.
1: But what's funny is if you go back further than like go back further than that all of his stuff is like really art house titles breaking the waves dancer Mm. in the dark uh the element of crime (laughs) so like he just keeps getting worse well as he goes on yeah i I mean mean,
0: dancer in the dark is kind of a safe drama with bjork about um she's like a ballet dancer that's losing her vision i think is the premise of that movie but that's pretty safe and it's a drama but when was
1: the last time you have you seen it there's,
0: I am talking about compared to like, well, compared well, to where this okay, guy I'll goes.
1: Buy, by compare okay, I'll give you by comparison of um of this movie. Yeah. I'll grant you. Um
0: it's all dark. It's
1: pretty devastating too.
0: Yeah, folks, it's all dark material, but um
1: Yeah, I have a very love hate relationship with him. Like I actually love this movie, but then I hate things like Antichrist and I, I really didn't care for um melancholia, and then I really did like Nymphomaniac, although I didn't see the six hour director's cut on that one (laughs)
0: well here's what you get with the lars's movies you get these really uh inappropriate yet titillating sex scenes in movies but then also um really disturbing catharsis that he's going through um i don't know if you look up the guy i guess he has like uh childhood trauma or something like his parents were really fucked up he was raised in a fucked up way, and then I guess he took it. He's taking it out all, all out on the Silver's audience. Yeah, yeah, oh well, yeah. yeah. Well, because he's, he's kind of like the Andy audience. Kaufman
1: of of film, except in, instead of making himself laugh, he's well, he is making himself laugh. He's just like grind, grinding his hands, like just knowing he's pissing off people. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I don't even know if I mean. Yeah, that's right. Andy Kaufman held the joke until people got angry because he was basically saying if you revealed the joke, it's like revealing the magic trick and then it would ruin the joke. But I don't feel like dear old Lars there is quite doing the same thing. Like, I don't think he's trying to entertain you to the point where it's no longer entertainment and you're no longer entertained. Or, uh. Um,
1: he's kind of a filmmaker troll in a sense.
0: Well, to be perfectly honest, I have no idea why he why he does what he does or what 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 he uh, <laughs> yeah I have no idea. Um, I, I
1: think at this stage in his career, he's just reveling in being a provocateur. Um,
0: oh wow, man! Well, I was reading an article about this particular movie because the movie. That they still haven't told you what it is. <laughs> I thought I did. It's
1: the ja- the house that Jack built. Oh, did you? I, thought I, said. I, I
0: don't know if you. I don't know if you. Well, once again, folks,
1: not. it's the house that Jack built.
0: <laughs> um, I was reading an article about this movie and about him, and he was talking about how like uh, he was basically saying his drinking was his only was his only medicine at some point, or his only um, his go to and a crutch or whatever. Hmm. And I was like, well. And there's not, (laughs) again, like, uh... I think it's from Sweden. There's not much written about this guy, except to say the controversy that comes out around each time he releases a film.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, because what was it? One of the last Cannes uh, Cannes film festivals he went to... um... Years ago, he said something along – I don't remember the exact quote, but the sentiment was like he sympathized with Hitler, so he was like kicked out of con for a while. Uh, I didn't uh,
0: know he was officially kicked out of a Cannes Film Festival. All I know I, is a uh, house I'm, that Jack built went there, and like 100 people walked out, but then I guess supposedly I, the remainder of the audience gave a standing ovation at the end, but I don't know. I don't it's know how it's I a, hear
1: that it's is. a. Well, I I think anybody who's seen the movie uh, knows what scene they walked out of because I I certainly.
0: Uh, um, it's probably if I didn't a... know
1: if I didn't know it was coming, like if I was a first time audience member and I didn't know it was coming, I would have been taken aback.
0: <laughs> oh, it's probably I mean, the scene where they're in the duck blind, but they're not hunting ducks. It's got to be that scene, probably. Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah. Well, that's that's what makes the director's cut difference is that scene. Um, there's some other shots, but, like, that that scene in particular is pretty graphic, especially considering, um, what he's doing.
0: Uh, so, but uh, what got under your skin about this movie? Do you want to talk about it, or do you just revisit well, that, it and watch it again? Like, what...
1: Well, that scene, well, because I just saw it for the first time, because I was waiting, uh, you Uh-oh. know, I, um, I... It's a movie I've been wanting to see, but I was waiting for the director's cut to be available, and, um... Cause that's a whole other issue of like, uh, they couldn't release it. The, they were going to release the director's cut, but I don't know. MPAA rules. It's kind of a whole, it's separate drama outside of the movie and graphicness. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, the, the, the duck hunting scene, um, is in particular, like really, like I heard about, I heard about it, but, uh, I don't know, man. It just hit me in the gut when I saw it. Um, it's, uh, I've heard a lot of criticism. Some people, um, I guess, you know, I, the, the this movie is very graphic. I mean, I will say, uh, I don't know, man. There's stuff in there that I'm not going to forget, well, uh, spe- I mean, specifically so, <laughs> with the lady's breast. I'll just say that.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's Riley Coe, who's a famous musician, and um, she's in this movie. She doesn't act very often, but she's in this movie.
1: Yeah, it, um...
0: Uh... Well, first, I'll back up like um the movie's about a serial killer over the course of twenty years, and he's like it's telling a story, and it sounds it sounds almost like a confession, but it's it's really not the uh I'll, well, I'll tell you how it, what it feels like the movie opens in darkness and you hear Jack talking to somebody and he's revealing some elements of his life, and you hear running water my where I went, where my brain goes is. I thought he was talking to the ferryman, like he was crossing the river of death. Granted, mm-hmm. I've I've seen the whole movie now, so I know how it ends, and I know where it goes, and I know the context of this conversation now. But right. just like right right from the jump, I'm thinking like that that yeah, he's crossing like the river Styx, and he's talking to you know Karen, the ferryman, or whatever, and he's on his way to the other side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because spoiler alert. You're about 8 minutes in now. If you don't want to know about this movie, turn it off or keep going. But I'll definitely tell you this, the movie will ru- ruin your weekend or or your week. But if you're already having a bad if you're already having a bad week, go ahead and turn it on. It's not an easy taste to wash out of your mouth either though. So, you're going to definitely I, go to some really dark places. Um It's
1: it's stuck with. It. I mean, it is graphic. Like every criticism it has for being sick and twisted is warranted. Um I, I haven't been shocked by a movie in a long time, because I used to, I don't know, I don't know how much about you, I know we both like horror movies, but I don't know, like, you, how much you were into, like, finding, like, the most fucked up shit. like Well, um,
0: I mean, that's the thing, like, um, I would imagine the studio, I, I didn't actually write down the studio, so I apologize, but...
1: It was uh, IFC that put it out. Okay, well
0: then I think they would only be capitalizing on the controversy of the movie, like all the terrible things people hear about the movie, or the terrible things that you can't unsee in the movie, would be like the most marketable, like reason for the movie. Because otherwise, to be honest with you, I don't find the movie has a lot of substance. Um, I have notes on all the incidents, by the way. I basically pulled the movie apart, like in in sections. I mean, the movie is segmented anyway. It's, like, set up, like, different chapters, so it would be pretty easy to talk about it as far as the chapters go. Right. Um, So, like, it's called an incident. Like, he basically is encapsulating his life over 20 years and talking about these incidents, but the funny thing (laughs) is, is, like, nobody pieces this thing together, and it's also supposed to be in the Pacific Northwest, but Mm -hmm. I read read up where they're shooting because you can tell the buildings and the vehicles they drive and everything about it, like, You know they're in a foreign country, but it's supposed to stand in for, like, either Northwest California or Oregon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be, like, uh, officially it's supposed to be, like, Washington State, but it doesn't look like the Pacific Northwest. And the architecture of the houses and the signage, Mm. you can see the signage. Like, it's not, you know you're not in America. So having, having Sweden and parts of other countries in Norway stand in for the United States, I don't think that works. And, like, I don't think the actors portraying, like, the town police, they don't act like American cops either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. So it doesn't really but, work. But, you know, like,
1: but if, you, if you're familiar enough with Lars von Trier, I don't think he's too concerned with that kind of shit, though. Like, um... I don't know, like, but, but... Like, but like mood, those details, mood. I don't think he's too concerned with.
0: But I think, but uh, then on the other hand, I think he is. Like, I think he carefully chooses, like, mood and tone and setting. So for hi, for him to I, overlook the obvious ones, I don't know.
1: I, but I think you're right. I mean, I think mood and tone are more important to him than some of those finer details. At least that's my feeling. Um,
0: well, I mean, what's funny about how they catch the serial killer is it's not. He leaves a pretty messy trail, and he's like, um, he's like all over the place. But it's not even like uh, what he does is get him gets him caught. He's mistaken for, for like a, a robbery suspect. Like he's mistaken for a different crime, and then it starts right. to unravel.
1: I so, mean, you know, well, but you know, this movie—believe it or not—I think this movie's uh, it's very much a comedy. I mean, it's a very graphic comedy, um, and it's not played uh, like ha ha. No,
0: I would, I could see, I could follow your logic that it's a, it's like, a, a very comedy, dark comedy. The problem with that is when there's a shift in the in the character, like after incident, maybe it's three. Um. After the the hunt, okay. As soon as you see him, where he's essentially hunting the family, um, it's a it's like Matt Dillon, like the Matt Dillon that everybody knows from twenty years of, of film, like this robust, overt, like, uh, very macho Matt Dillon. Otherwise, before that in the movie, he's this awkward shuffling around um introverted character that they're trying to paint the picture of this this i don't know quiet psychopath
1: but 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 if you also notice with each incident because um these aren't all his kills these are just um because he's having a conversation At at
0: some point he says like he's killed like 60 people or something right
1: but if you also notice another part key of this is like his ocd and with each incident he gets a little more confident or cocky or stupid. Well, how yeah, that's say true. I mean,
0: they, they, like, if you watch these little things that talk about these profiles and how these killers, like, develop their style and, like, how they go about committing their crimes, like, they all fall into a pattern. And at first they're, I don't know, they're, like, popping their cherry murders are a little different than the fucking darkness that they go down the road with later on. But, um... My problem is, like, even when I was reading about how he wrote this script, he did hmm. just literally look up cliff notes of a bunch of serial killers, and he kind of mashed them together, which is, I think, one of the reasons the, the character is also pretty inconsistent, because that's not really... Just putting together the best bits of, like, four or five famous serial killers into your character aren't going to make a unique character. It's going to feel like it actually does, to me. The character is really uneven. Like, I understand what you're saying, that the character grows in experience and he shifts as he goes further down the rabbit hole. Uh, But it goes down to, like, methodology. Like, the only consistent thing this character had was the refrigerator, the industrial-sized refrigerator that he had in some... I don't know. It's like a restaurant that's no longer a restaurant, but he only owns the...
1: The freezer. The
0: freezer. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, there's a junk... With a bunch uh, of pizzas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like a defunct restaurant or something, but then he's renting the industrial size you know freezer and then obviously his van is a caricature and then this fake fantasy life that he has as an architect but he's actually right. in, in reality not designing anything and you well, kinda, We don't
1: know what he does in real life at least I don't I don't if, think he, if he I, said I, it he if he said it I missed it.
0: I don't know. I think he might be a trust fund kid because he doesn't really do anything. That per- that makes per- a lot of sense, yeah. He's pretending to be an architect but clearly he okay, he's not rich. He's not poor either. Um, He's that non-existent upper middle class. But I was thinking he might be financed on what he takes from the victims. We don't know. We don't know if he takes possessions from them or monies from them. Um, He has a strange relationship with the guy that he buys the ammunition from, which also reminds me of like a pawn shop owner. And I feel like maybe he's been Mm -hmm. bartering and trading over the years. Because, I mean, the other thing too is like, what might be stereotypical of everything you read in the paper about a serial killer is that he lives in a town in the middle of nowhere that has, like, you know, Deputy Dog as the sheriff or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. He probably lives in a town that has, like, two two police officers or whatever. Um. So there's definitely a feeling of isolation, which I guess is right. perfect for the kind of things that he's up to. But, um, So the first incident has Uma Thurman.
1: Er, yeah. And, this is, like, I think the shortest incident or piece of, like, movie.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, it's supposed to be well this kill is about like um establishing his pattern and like uh his Matt Dillon's character his name literally is Jack, so I guess I could just call him Jack instead of calling him Matt Dillon the whole time, but <laughs> it is it is right. really weird to see Matt Dillon, you know, from there's something about Mary to see him rolling around as a serial killer in a red van. So
1: I think I think I mean we can talk more about it later, but I think his performance is actually pretty great, but we can talk more about that later.
0: Eh, that's too bad because I mean, it, it, for him to have the best performance of his career in a movie that people basically think one, well, think a couple of things. One, it's not Lars's best movie. Two, it's a really fucked up movie. And three, I mean, he didn't really get any acclaim for it. I mean, he won. Uh, there might be some foreign movie awards that he's won, but people on the stateside, I haven't haven't really. You know, glammed onto it like, oh, this is one of the best movies. you know?
1: Well, because there, yeah, well, there's a lot of controversy, and uh, a lot of people are kind of done with uh, Lars after his Hitler comments and stuff, which is valid. I'm not gonna like anybody who wants to take a stand and not watch him. Um,
0: I, I oh, no, Dave, Hitler's more popular than ever right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I will agree. I mean, I'll agree with you. This isn't his best movie, but I'll be honest with you. I think it's one of his best movies, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Because uh, I'm I'm very love-hate with him. Like, I love Dancer in the Dark. I fucking hated Antichrist. Uh, All right. A lot of, you know, but I'm – a lot of people love Antichrist. I'm not one of them.
0: <laughs> so uh, the first incident, Uma Thurman's just broken down on the side of the road. She's got a flat tire. He's very hesitant. Like I will give him credit for the fact that he seems like he doesn't want to kill her, and she's kind of ruining his whole day. And he he gives her every reason not to get killed, and then <laughs> it happens. Basically. Um, well,
1: yeah. Her character is very annoying. Like it's yeah, kinda... but he gives
0: her like three or four outs. He gives no, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Like not ruin the rest of his day. Like I don't even know if that was his intended victim of the day, or if he was like on a break. Like he didn't really intend to do anything that day. Obviously. The first incident also is early in his career. Um, you know, and and he's he's you can see, like, an internal struggle going on during mm. that, that whole sequence. Uh, basically, she breaks down, but then they think that a metal shop worker is somehow going to fix her jack to her car so Instead she can of put like the spare her, on. Yeah. Makes no sense. Like, no, you would drive to a mechanic shop, leave her there, call a tow truck. I don't know. All that stuff doesn't really... That crap I don't really buy, but then, well, yeah, I don't
1: know. Uh, and, well, I'll, I have a theory about that, but we can we'll continue on about that. Um, well, because then there's incident. Uh, this is the shortest incident, and then he grabs the. Uh, she keeps nagging at him, nagging at him, or she won't shut up. Yeah, her character her her character is genuinely annoying, and that's the point. Uh,
0: mm. And
1: he can't take it anymore; just smashes her face in with a jack.
0: Pretty much. That's, yeah. uh, second incident he bangs on a lady's door pretends to be a police officer she's smart about it and I oh this lady she's like an indie actress and she's also in um,
1: She she's one of those I, I, yeah I never remember her name in, she's
0: in Men in Black of all things she plays the wife at the farm sugar yeah. Water. yeah exactly yeah like her husband gets taken over by uh, her husband's skin is worn by an alien in that movie and she's like a confused housewife her character in this movie is also a confused um, housewife but her husband who worked for the railroad is dead or whatever and, and he uses he uses this against her because he switches his story from oh I'm a policeman who can't show you my badge I don't have my badge to oh by the way you answered correctly I'm an insurance adjuster sure, yeah. I, I know your husband from the railroad I sell insurance do you want a bigger pension um, I guess he exploits her sense of greed I don't know then he he manages to get into her house this uh ah, the sequence is kinda of strange. He strangles her, she doesn't die, he strangles her again. Then he's convincing the police officer that he's there to pick up a rare railroad magazine that's like a a magazine mm. the only print for people that work for the railroads, and he's claiming to know the family and um <laughs> a car passed by when he was trying to force his way into our house, and it was somebody that actually knows the family, and then later on confirms with the police officer that he saw You know, Jack outside her house or whatever. But then he goes on and on and on about how he's there to pick something up. And he's Mm. literally cleaned up the murder scene. Cop shows up, tells the guy to wait outside. He goes back into the house. And then he's like persistent that the cop do an investigation and the cop be very thorough. And then he's like, then he starts citing, I don't know. Then it's, um, he's reciting what Lars Ventura thinks is an American thinking about his rights to be involved in a situation, right? Like, trying to force his mm. way into a situation. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, Jack's obviously attempting to throw them off the scent, but um, it's also kind of inaccurate to throw yourself in the middle of something so people will remember you. If anything, you want to drift away and be forgotten. You know what I mean? But he's, like, inserting himself right in the middle of the whole damn thing. Mm. Um, although, it does speak to his backstory, because they were saying as a kid, like, he actually desires to be caught. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the one thing that is supposed to be part of this guy's personality is the thrill of being caught. So I He mean,
1: wants to and he doesn't. Like, or, I don't know. Um, well, I guess or, he
0: wants or, to I have control he, over the way that he's caught.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, like, that. This in this incident, this is the one where, like, he would have gotten away a long time ago. I mean, he does get away, but... Mm. Uh, he wouldn't have had a run in with the cop if his OCD didn't keep taking, like, oh, did I scrub this spot? Or, oh, there's some blood under here. Yeah. Like, he keeps going back.
0: But this is the point where he starts to think that, that uh, I don't know, that, he, that it's like fate. It's like destiny that he murders these people because he thinks the rain washes away, the blood intentionally to cover up the murder for him. Because he screws up and he clips the body bag in the door of his van and he's dragging a body and... Um, the blood trail leads all the way back to his warehouse, and and this is, this is Lars's sick humor coming out right now, the mistake of the body, and then the rain covering up, that's, that's Lars's humor coming out right there, but then, um, the third incident, which you brought up already, is like, this is the scene you can't unsee? No, this is,
1: I mean, he's supposedly,
0: well, here's the thing, they don't set this up, I mean, they just cut right into it, he's supposedly shacked up with some mom and her two boys. And then he wants to teach them how to be hunters. Yeah, yeah, they're on a picnic. But he's got, like, the orange hat. He's got the orange vest. He's got the hunter's cap. You're seeing this this iconic imagery of, like, you know, what is, like, the Norman Rockwell painting of a family on an afternoon in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And then he explains... (laughs) He literally tells the audience which family member you should kill first and why. And then you watch this unravel. And then he turns the bodies into puppets. Well, oh mother's but the still
1: alive the picnic oh the picnic scene was okay this was a scene like the this movie's graphic but the scene that disturbed me the most was after all the graphic Nix was done and him making the mother feed her dead children cake. I don't, I don't know why yeah. that disturbed by the, the way, fuck out of me. By the way, this
0: is going to be like, we're going to have to put a disclaimer on the beginning of this episode. This is going to be like the darkest <laughs> fucking podcast we've you've ever, you've ever this, released.
1: This is a dark fucking movie. I I mean, I was constantly shocked by it. Hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I, well,
0: I. then he makes a corn purse out of his girlfriend's boob. And, uh... Which
1: he has a very graphic boob-cutting scene, which I always... Yeah,
0: again, like, you know, hey, there's the trailer moment. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> fighting the with bat- the girlfriend
0: trailer. is probably the trailer moment, yeah.
1: Put that in a scissor reel.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's how you get it sold, you know. You, you take it to a film festival and you want a distributor to pick it up. You know, Lifetime, Disney, you know, hey, guys, pick this movie up. Um... And then, here's the thing, like, again, it breaks the mold of, like, what who who is he supposed to be? Like, because now he has, now he's making corn porches out of people's body parts, so now he's like, now he's like Buffalo Bill in, you know, um, the Hannibal Lecter movie, whatever. Right. Then uh, then he's doing something weird where he wants to kill five people with a single bullet and has them, like, freeze, slowly freezing to death in his freezer, and mm-hmm. he's got to get the right ammunition, and that's when he's mistaken for some someone that just committed, like, a series of burglaries in the town, unless he really is the robber, and that's what he's sustaining himself on, and maybe he's been robbing this town the whole time. Who the hell knows?
1: Well, he's always, he's, because he's also, like, trying to get caught, too. I I mean, I feel like.
0: He's also convinced that he's a a pillar of his community when he's really not. Like, he has these relationships set up in his mind that he has Mm. better friendships with these people than he actually has because he has limited contact with them. But he's, mm. he's convinced of his relationship with them, like the... Because the guy who shoots in the camper that he says is his best friend, who is holding him for the police to show up, that guy is the guy who who was welding the thing for the lady, right? It's the same guy, isn't it?
1: Uh, I'd have to go back and check. I'm not entirely sure. If that sounds right. So.
0: And then that guy who was running the, the pawn shop slash animal depot or whatever... Is the guy from another movie called Spink and the Monkey, right?
1: Yeah, that's um. Oh God, he's a great actor. Uh, he's been in a ton of things, and now his name is escaping me.
0: Well, yeah. Well, these two, these two jackalopes are supposed to be his friends, and uh, they're also oddballs. Uh, I mean, Jeremy Davies, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Jeremy Davies shows up, but he's. I mean, these two guys that are supposed to be his friends are very odd and strange as well. So anyway. I guess I don't know if he's creating his masterpiece or whatever, but he's trying to kill like six people or a handful of people at once in his freezer and then the police finally catch up to him and uh But supposedly he has time before they break through his freezer to build his house out of the dead bodies and then the police are shooting at him through the door. The whole thing is, um Oh, I, I heard on set that they were saying um hooshka swoosh or whatever, which means remember to keep it messy. Mm-hmm. that was like the theme of the of the production but um sense. clearly jack got shot in that scene even though he doesn't you don't see him getting shot because when right. he's in the river of the dead or whatever when you hear the water running and this guy there's another character called verge who like i said i thought it was the ferryman and he was talking it was like this guy's carrying him across the river to death and he had to pay his mm-hmm. toll and that's why he was talking about his life to see whether or not he could afford the toll to wherever he was going but um He's more like just a personification of death. Like it's just, and, and then, um, so they they actually do go underwater, and then like the film cuts in and out of like almost like fine footage of like uh some guy spelunking in an underwater cave, and then then Jack's in hell, and then you see mm. Jack's ultimate punishment. Which right. I guess is to fall into mol- well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> why should should we tell them the whole movie? Or I mean, we've
1: I mean, we pretty much have. I mean, you know. Uh, but
0: so, should we say what happens to him when he gets to hell, or just that's the one? Go for it. Point? I
1: mean, why not? I mean, they've listened this much; they are either going to stop and watch it, or they're going to continue on.
0: Well, Jack's ego flares flares up when he gets to hell, and he thinks he can escape hell by climbing an impossible wall that no one's ever been able to climb. Over right. a, a bridge that's broken over a vat of molten lava, and ultimately he falls down in the magma and is never seen again.
1: Right. Now, one thing we didn't really touch on is, like, each um, – I mean, you kind of – you did say something uh, alluded to it, but, like, each one um, – he keeps referring to art and some of these as, like, his masterpieces or, like you – know, Oh, form- yeah.
0: He thinks he's an artist. He's comparing everything that he does, which is kind of crockery and, and horseshit, which- really, I think. But
1: I mean um now I have another theory and um you know and I honestly didn't form it until we kind of had this discussion which is why I, I kind of wanted to do this cuz I think this movie is one that was ripe for discussion it wasn't a um it, some of it's pretentious I'm not going to lie and but I I really dug a lot of this movie and I think honestly I think Jack is a stand-in for Lars von Trier and the guy the river sticks or um what have you is uh the audience or his critics um, cause you know the who who do you keep calling him the ferryman, yeah, the, the ferryman, okay, we'll call him the ferryman, um so when he's having these in between incidents incidents or during the incidents, he'll break up and ask him questions about the story jack's telling, yeah and I, and I he'll think... point out and he'll point out inconsistencies mm-hmm. like, well, that seems awful convenient that the cop was stupid or da. and like I feel like jack Jack or Lars is waving off and like, no, 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 just don 't worry about this. this is a cinema, just go with it um. I think he's excusing his inconsistencies or things. Cause I think he's just, it's a movie to him. Um, I mean, there is deeper meaning, but in terms of plot. I don't think Lars is that concerned with plot per se. Cause I mean, this movie other than the, uh, between Jack and the Ferryman, it's, uh, it's just random incidents. I mean, you could, this could be an episode of television. You could just pop in. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, but, I, I I, mean, do you get that idea that, like, that's Jack is uh, Lars just backing up or uh, against the critics, or his... I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know who applies these metaphors to movies and tries to take it to another level when they interpret, like, a filmmaker's work and say that that's what they subconsciously intended to do. Um, again, this is a guy I can't read. Like, I, I think, I, like I said at the top of this, like, he's a guy that I continually misunderstand because... I don't have any common ground with him, so I, uh, you know, I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know where he's going. Um, that's all I can say. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say he's pretentio- pretentious. I would, but I don't understand his art form, and so I'm going to leave him alone.
1: Well, I mean, there's a scene where he like, um, I think it was between the the fourth and fifth incident, um, where there's like a, a montage of like different scenes and most of them from his movies. Like there's a shot of antichrist. There is the, the exploding scene in a uh, melancholia. Um, like he repurposed a lot of his shit for this movie. Um, he plays a lot with Mon. I mean, you know, uh, e- I haven't seen a movie play with editing this much in quite a while. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I'm, didn't uh, I wanted to see it for all the controversial reasons to see if it was really as bad as a lot of people were saying and for that reason yes it is it is very graphic uh, but I just dug it as a movie too
0: um, alright well let's wrap it up by saying this if you're looking for a real heartwarming family story to get the whole <laughs> juice, get the old juices flowing and get everybody together around the campfire for a rousing tale that's going to fill your heart with absolute joy go check out House the Jackbook <laughs>
1: I think it's an Eastern family movie. <laughs> Absolutely.